A government toppled by civil war. Refusing to accept Prince Lee Char as the next ruler of Mancala, the foreign people join the separatist alliance and launch an all-out attack on the Mon Calamari. Caught unprepared, the young prince and his Jedi protectors are quickly overwhelmed and forced to retreat into caves far below the capital city, leaving Count Dooku and his allies to plan their next move. Bucketheads, Mavartigar. Welcome to the 134th Trident Assault Ship Spinning episode of MandoVision. Nargai Tom, and thank you so much for checking out this small, independent Star Wars podcast. Remember, the best way to reach out to us is, of course, via social media. We are at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show at MandoVisionTom at gmail.com. Please make sure you're liking, subscribing, following, and sharing this show with all the other Mandalorians in your covert. And hey, if you're thinking about it, five-star reviews, an insanely great way to support the show without having to spend anything but a, a few moments of your time. And we thank you in advance for doing so. Hey, we're back at Star Wars The Clone Wars Rewatch Monday! And we are here for the, I don't know, second episode of Season 4. We're, we're still in the, uh, we are in the second episode of this uh, Mon Calamari trilogy that's opening the season getting to meet young uh, Prince Lee Char and, and kind of exploring some of the, the internal politics of Mon Cala. You got, you got the, the Mon Calamari people, you got the Quarren people, and the Separatists inserting themselves, creating a, uh, a Civil War type situation. Not the first time we're seeing something like this uh, uh, in an episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars where Count Dooku and his forces sort of come in to act as, as a catalyst for for uh, internal strife in, 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 a, in, a, in a, on a on a planet that is loyal to the Republic, uh, so you know you get a little bit of that. But this the, this three parter doesn't focus too much on the politics. It's really about uh, the making of of, of, a, of a good leader of a, of a good ruler for the people, and we're seeing those struggles with Lee Char in these episodes. Uh, you know he he learned an important lesson about. Uh, learning how to, to, to fall back when it's time to retreat, when it's, you know, instead of engaging in, in, in combat that would result in your forces and your people needlessly dying. Uh, this episode continues that, and, and it's, it's right on Front Street with, with the, the Jedi fortune cookie for this episode, uh, where it's a, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I have it written down here, I swear I do. 
<laughs> uh, excuse me. Only through fire is a strong sword forged, and that is that is what's going on in this particular episode. Throughout this this arc, really, is we're we're seeing a a, a great leader forged by by the by the trials by the by the combat in in this this in this uh, Clone War situation where the Separatists have have spurred uh, a, you know civil war on Mon Cala. So we're we're seeing how Lee Char deals with that and how he's going to come out the other side of this and be a great leader for his people and bring uh, the bring both the Mon Calamari and the Quarren back together again. So yeah, I said it already. This is the second episode of the season. This is Gungan Attack. Original air date was September September sixteenth, two thousand eleven. Again, uh, much like the first episode, they put, they put them out. Big hour-long season debut. I'll give you the first two episodes right off the bat. Our plot for this week, the Mon Cal and the Jedi are in hiding beneath the water, underwater capital city of Mon Cal. The Jedi Council calls on the help of the Gungan army, led by Jar Jar Binks. Our cast, for, excuse me, our writer and director team this episode, uh, Brian Callen O'Connell is back as the director, and once again written by... Jose Molina, our cast this week. A lot of the same principles as last week. Matt Lanter as Anakin Skywalker. Adam MacArthur as Prince Leechar. Ashley Eckstein as Ahsoka Tano. Phil Lamar as Kit Fisto. Gary Anthony Williams as Rift Hampson. Corey Burton as Count Dooku and Nasa Ray. Ahmad Best is back as Jar Jar Binks. He's also a boss Leone in this as well. Catherine Tabor is Padme Amidala. Art Butler is Captain Akbar, Pre-Admiral Akbar. Tom Kane is Yoda and the narrator. Terrence T.C. Carson is Mace Windu. Matthew Wood is the Aqua Droids. D. Bradley Baker is the Clone Troopers and the Corn Guard. And Sassy Tin, briefly. James Arnold Taylor has a brief appearance in this as Obi-Wan Kenobi in Prisoner Number 1. And Anna Graves returns as Senator Mina Tills, the Mon Calamari Senator. And, and all engaged in the conflict. So I want to go ahead and get into this episode uh on when we get to the other side of the episode i, I hope you stay tuned uh for for a kind of the closing thoughts uh after after we, we wrap up the show uh there is something that's happened in in the world of star wars that i wanted to talk a little bit about um i don't i don't know you you may have already read about it we may talk about it this may be the first time you hear about it but yeah stick around to the other side of the of the of the episode break and we'll talk a little bit about some star wars news that came about uh, very, very uh, recently as, as I was prepping to record this today. All right, so uh, let's go ahead, get into the episode Gungan Attack, Season 4, Episode 2. It's time. Strap on those underwater buckets. Let's go. And the young prince, has he been captured? No, my lord. Unfortunately, he escaped capture and is hiding with what's left of the Jedi and their army. Do not underestimate this boy, Tamsin. He must not become a symbol for the Mon Calamari people to rally behind. This child is but a coward. He is no leader. That is irrelevant. The whispering of his name can rekindle hope. And hope is something we cannot allow our enemy to possess. Remember in the last episode, I was like extremely complimentary towards uh, sort of the, the characteristic they were giving Riff Tamsin of, you know, since he's a shark-like being... Uh, that, like a shark on Earth, he's constantly moving around and around and around and always in motion, as a shark would be. They do away with that in this episode. We we see Rift Hampson right away sitting in, in some sort of like 
a, a seashellish <laughs> like stool, and and uh, I, I I sort of admit that it it um, Rift Hampson's uh, joie de vivre in this episode is somewhat reduced from his in your face persona in the last one. Now he still gets fired up, and uh, he has those moments in this episode for sure. But again, I, I, I something about seeing him sitting down. I feel like he's way less threatening. You know, the way he's always moving around in that introduction in the first part last week, uh, way more threatening. May, uh, you, you, you sort of feel like danger from that character, right? Like he could, he could come and attack you at any moment. I mean, and we see that in that first episode when, he's a, when he leads the attack against the Mon Cala. And, and excuse me, when he leads the attack against the Mon Calamari. And again, you, you know that sort of danger with that, with that, with that character. And... I don't know, seeing him seated here, I feel like uh, it, it sort of takes the threat away, the sort of implied threat of Rift Hampson as he's sort of just, you know, listening to Count Dooku talk and they're having like this sort of like civilized discussion about things. Uh, so not a crazy, not as crazy about that in this episode as I was in the first one. Um, and we'll see what they do in the third part. But I, I, I do feel like he's less intimidating by not having by not by not being in constant motion as he is in this one. And here we're getting a sort of an update on what's going on from the count and our, our core in contact who thinks that, oh, they're just gonna help me depose of the Moncala King and then the Quarren will rule um, on, you know the, the planet and uh, that's not how it's gonna work. And I think we can all sort of sense that coming. Uh, and the Quarren seems a bit miffed at the notion that, the Moncala prisoners they they've captured, the Moncala prisoners they captured. Of course they captured them, but the Moncala prisoners they are sending women and children as well as the soldiers to the uh, internment camps at the at the bottom of the kelp beds there, and he seems a bit taken aback by that. Like again, another character who realizes that making a deal with Count Dooku is not the bargain they believed it would be, and and uh, you know not going in their favor, so. Yes, a bit distressing. Uh, so what we go to next? Actually, I should I should mention, I do like the line that Count Dooku ends the conversation with, uh, the the conversation the portion of the conversation with Tamson uh, about how they do not want to give their enemies hope and that, that hope must be crushed. That's why it's so important that they capture Lee Char and not let him be a, a symbolic leader. Whether he whether he's actually an actual good leader or not is to be determined, but they can't risk him being a symbol of something either. It's like a, a martyr to the cause, basically. Uh, so I, I liked that bit of dialogue there uh, from the Count, uh, sort of underlining the importance of capturing Lee Char. And from here, we go to, to where our, our, the Jedi remnants and, and the, the Mon Cala soldier remnants are, are hiding out, and there are, they are um, issuing... Or they're, excuse me, they're on a holocom with the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. Uh, attempting to get more backup, it's it's such an interesting aspect of of the of these three episodes in particular. How how so much conversation uh, is occurring underwater, and I sort of like the fact that Star Wars doesn't bother to tell us the hows and whys of the way sound is moving around in the ocean. Uh, how our characters, our human characters who are helmeted in their suits, are able to to hear. I, I would assume their helmets have something to do with it. But even just the, com the the communication between other characters is not really explored in, in, in any significant way. Uh, though there is a, a stretch of this episode uh, when Kit Fisto is is attempting to, you know, get, to get some craft, get some crafts, and rescue some some clone troopers, uh, that it goes very very quiet, and it seems very very still of the, uh, still of the ocean in in that in that sequence that I really really did enjoy. Um, but yeah, they don't not something they they do too often. And again, it's an animated series. It's 
um, an all ages sort of thing. So you don't want to spend a lot of time bogging it down in, in, in little 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 pieces of minutia. Uh, but it is funny watching I, again. I don't. I don't. I guess I didn't have a problem with it in the first episode. But something about them watching like a holocom <laughs> and and just like just communicating with it like normal. I just was like, that's so interesting. <laughs> but hey, it's Star Wars, and, and they have the technology, they have the tools, and they have the talent. <laughs> but let's go ahead and check out the conversation that our Jedi are having after after discussing uh, with our heroes on Moncala. I want to I want to get to the conversation where where Yoda and Mace Windu are attempting to figure out what they can do to help their allies and and the Mon Calamari. It'll take us days to outfit another clone regiment for underwater combat. Days our friends do not have. Perhaps we should look to armies other than clones to help our cause. What do you suggest? A suitable ally we must find to help with this mission. Yes, an underwater race that has a standing army and is close enough to send help quickly. Naboo? Yes, to the Gungans. We must look. We shall contact them immediately. So, obviously the title gives it all away, but I thought it was a really neat idea to employ the Gungans, right? Like, why not have another uh, amphibious army that we are aware of, that we have seen already in in, in, uh, in Attack of the Clone, oh boy, in, in, in The Phantom Menace, uh, be, you know, a, a pretty legitimate military resource. And if they're nearby, why not employ them uh, and, and, and sort of play on their sympathies a little bit here because, because their friend and ally, uh, Queen Amidala, is, is, in, is in danger. Excuse me, former Queen Amidala. I, um, I thought that was a very interesting choice. I really liked it. Uh, I, I like, I don't, I, you know, I, I think a lot of us in the audience, if you're in my age bracket, we had initial, initial problems with the Gungans. I've really come around on, on them, like 360. I really enjoy a lot of the, the stuff with the Gungans, and I sort of wish we got to spend more time with them. I think they're still considered uh, sort of like prequel pariahs in a, in a sense uh, amongst some of the older fans. Uh, but, you know, I, we have to move past that. And if they haven't watched Star Wars of Clone Wars to see how, how, what, a, what a cool uh, species they can be, then I don't know what else to tell people, other than like they're 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 wrong. The Gungans are pretty cool. I like them a lot. I like seeing more of them. I'd like to to continue to see more of them at some point. It'd be nice to kind of check on them, in in a, a post Return of the Jedi kind of world. Like maybe have like a gun, like like why can't a Gungan show up on the Mandalorian? Like that, that would be cool with that. I'm not, I have no issues with that whatsoever. And as we saw in the Book of Boba Fett, uh, it, the the sort of love for the prequels kind of came out in, in that season, you know, with the N1 Starfighter and, and, and several other nods and callbacks to the to the prequel trilogy as well. So, like, why not include some Gungans in the mix again? I think that'd be really, really cool. But I think a good decision by Yoda. Uh, you know, it, it'd always be fun to explore more of the different aquatic species in Star Wars. You know, even even more of Kit Fisto's people would, would be interesting, but apparently they aren't close enough to help. So you're not going to get a cool army of Nautilans showing up to, to, to save the day. But the Gungans are fun, and I think they are a good resource to tap into. Uh, meanwhile, our heroes, Lee Char and Anakin, Padme, uh, everyone is, is making a plan. It's like, you know what, we got to get out of here. The situation is, is, is not good while we don't have the reinforcements. Uh, we're, we're in a bad situation. We should get up to our ship, our Republic you know, carrier that brought us. Okay, no, it's not a carrier. It's a cruiser that brought us here. Uh, like the counselor ship, like the one we saw Qui-Gon and uh, young Obi-Wan arrive in, in The Phantom Menace. This is what they have waiting for them on the surface. So let's get back up to that thing. Let's get the heck out of here while, while we gather resources and, 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 and reinforcements to come back and 
get back into the into this war, you know, liberating the the Moncala people. So that's the plan, and this is where I talked to the, that sequence I talked about with, with Kit Fisto, where he goes off to sort of cause a diversion that would allow them to get up to the surface and a couple, get, grab a couple of those mini subs at the same time. Uh, again, it's a great sequence, uh, but our your our, our shark headed friend Rift Hampson uh, sees this as as obvious. So let's check it out once Tamsin learns out what's going on. So, the Jedi have reappeared with the prince. They are headed to the surface. Predictable. Let them get within sight of their ship. I want them to watch their hope sink to the bottom of the sea. All right, and that's exactly what happens. As our heroes get close to the surface, uh, 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 Rift Hampton's forces destroy the cruiser waiting for them and send its wreckage spiraling into the ocean. Uh, and they're under heavy attack at the same time. So our heroes, they grabbed onto the debris and let it pull them towards the bottom of the ocean floor where they think it'll be a bit safer for them, where they can kind of, again, come up with a new plan because things aren't going well. And and uh, again, it's a neat sequence. There's a lot of really good action stuff in the, in these three-part episodes. Uh, in, th- in this three-part episode, I should say, in particular. Uh, it, it is sort of funny, in a sense, I sort of alluded to it last on the last show. Uh, as, as good as these as action oriented as these three parts, three parters are this three parter is. Excuse me. Uh, it, it's not like super plot heavy. It's it's not uh, overly complicated. It's easy to follow along with it, what's going on here. You're like, okay, the separatists and the Quarns are the bad guys, and you know something bad happened. We, we'll talk more about the the murdered king next week. Um, but but yeah, it, it's it's all pretty straightforward. So there are with that in mind they're able to really kind of delve more into some really cool action sequences. Uh, some of this episode is a little on the darker side, so make sure you have your uh, your TV adjusted correctly. But I, again, I still think it looks really, really good, and I, I guess I just have a, a propensity for underwater combat. I'm a fan of it. More underwater combat, never a bad thing in my opinion. But let's see let's see what our heroes have to do as they try to, get to rally and figure out their next part of, of staying alive. So as as uh, 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 excuse me as, as Ahsoka sort of is is guiding Lee Char here in this episode, Ahsoka has a much more of a, a strong mentor role in this episode, sort of assuring Lee Char of of, of decisions and, and sort of the, the right course of action. Uh, but then I wanted to go ahead and play the sequence here, uh, where Lee Char sees the Moncala prisoners being taken to the in the internment camps and his sort of reaction to all of this. Uh, so I thought this was interesting and sort of goes back into that forging of a great leader, right? So let's check this out. So many prisoners. Where are they taking them? To become slaves. I can't believe no Sarai and the Quarren agreed to this. Count Dooku rules here for now, not the Quarren. What you see, Prince, is the future of all the people on this world. Moncala and Quarren. All slaves for Count Dooku. So yeah, he doesn't like that very much, and I can't say I blame him. So let's go ahead and check back in with Anakin and Padme and Captain Akbar and see what they're up to now. Captain Akbar, which of these structures houses the city's interplanetary scanners? It's over there, across the square. Why? Well, just in case Master Yoda is sending reinforcements, I thought it'd be helpful if the enemy couldn't tell they were coming. 
If we knock out those sensors, they won't see our reinforcements until they're right on top of the city. Assuming someone is coming. I am sure Master Yoda will find a way to send help. Anakin, it's your move. Follow me. Alright, and Anakin does it. He brings down that tower so that when the Gungan reinforcements arrive, they land right on top of Tamsin's forces and he doesn't know the difference. Again, the Gungans swoop in to save the day. Uh, and, and this civil war kind of goes back and forth a lot. There's a lot of uh, attack and counterattack going on here. And after this one, it seems like the Gungan reinforcements have sort of swung things back in the favor of the Mon Cala, potentially. Uh, but it's not, it's, it's not going to last for too long. So after bringing the tower down, you know, the bad guys come in, they're looking for Padme and Anakin, and they're doing some cool underwater combat there. And again, this is another moment here coming up where uh, Prince Leechar gets to sort of assert himself. He's seen what's happened to his people, and he's he's going to be that beacon of hope that, that Count Dooku is so desperate to, to not allow him to be, to, you know, to sort of keep that hope crushed and diminished. But uh, Leechar wants to be a good leader and he's going to assure his people and he takes a great risk here uh, exposing himself to address his people but I like the sequence so let's check it out oh no the prince hurry Soka didn't like it <laughs> He's alive! Look there! People of Moncala! All people of Moncala who would not be slaves! Have hope! We will fight for you, Prince! You will not be prisoners much longer! Okay, I think the show is over. The guards will be coming. We have to go. And again, they come under fire pretty quickly here, but I think it's a, a, a brave and bold sentiment from the young prince and... and Again, going back to our Jedi Forge cookie and the forging of a great leader. It's all right here, uh, but this is where everything comes onto Front Street, right? And, you know, all the forces are coming into play. The Gungans arrive to save the day, and and it's it looks like it's turning. But, of course, it's not turning in our hero's favor because this is only part two of three. So, let's see what happens next. Samson, Samson, come in. Where are you? The Republic reinforcements are overwhelming our defenses. We must retreat. We must retreat now. I warned you this attack was coming. Where are the Jedi concentrating their attack? There are two groups of Jedi. One in the lower city center, and two releasing the prisoners near the Coral base. The prisoners? The Prince must be with them. I'm committing the reinforcements that Count Dooku sent to the attack. He will not escape this time. All right, and so what that means is they're deploying, uh, or deploying the Trident attack ships down here. They're very, they're submersible vehicles. We've seen them in, in pre previous episodes, and uh, in, in the Assault on Camino episodes. Uh, so we know they can do some serious damage. What they they are employed in a very different way in in the the sort of climax of this episode, and this is probably sort of like the one area of the of the of this particular episode that I sort of am not super crazy about. Uh, uh, because Tamsin's plan involves using the uh, the tridents uh, in, in sort of a spinning maneuver that cre creating these sort of like uh, underwater whirling vortexes uh, to sort of cause chaos and disarray and throw the the 
uh, Gunga and, and Mon Cala forces, uh, you know, across the floor of the ocean and scatter them around. He's also using it to isolate uh, certain members of the of this resistance, right? Like uh, particularly Lee, Lee Char. Uh, he eventually will also capture Kit Fisto. Uh, now Lee Char does make his getaway, right? But it's at the expense of Kit Fisto being captured, and and all the other forces being captured too. It's it comes down to Ahsoka and Lee Char making their escape, while everyone else has has come under. Uh, has been captured by the Quarren slash Separatist forces here, uh, as 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 Rift Hampson has sort of salvages the day for for the Quarren and the and the Confederacy here. Um, but again, it's a great action sequence. There's a lot of fun stuff. Uh, Anakin has a lot of really good moments in this. Anakin's sort of an underplayed character in the in this three parter here. Uh, but he does have some really nice moments, particularly in this episode with some of his uh, combat prowess on on display. So, so be sure, excuse me, be sure to check that out, uh, particularly when he, when he goes to disable one of the tridents by, by severing one of, the, one of its limbs. Uh, a really good sequence, and he's also just, he loves bisecting droids. It's so much fun for him. But yeah, we are at a, a, a pivotal state as our heroes are about to be captured, and yeah, the day is about to be ruined. But I do want to go back just a tiny bit, because when the, when the vortexes are first employed, again, they, they were used to isolate characters, right? So you get sort of the, the first time Rift Hampson is able to really engage in, 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 a, in a sort of combat with Lee Char. Uh, and, and you have to wonder a little bit about the way that Tamson shoots himself like a cannon. You know, he's, gonna, he's, he's going right for the young prince, but it's not in the way, in the way that we saw him attack people in the, in the previous episode. And I don't think they've established it, and I think they will do so in the next episode. Uh, but Tamson needs... The young prince alive. You can't just kill him. You can't martyr him. So that's why you see Tamsin coming at him uh, with his hands, as opposed to just lunging with his giant jaw. And 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 uh, you have to keep that in mind because I think it's something that, that if you're just watching it and you're not paying, you're, you're not thinking about what's, what's coming next, is Lee Char has to be captured. That's what has to happen here. That has to be the the, the next uh, phase of the of the plan. And I think we come to see that that kind of fleshed out a little bit more. In, in more detail in the third part, which, we, which again, we will be covering very, very soon. Uh, but eventually, uh, uh, with the help of Ahsoka and Kit Fisto, uh, Leechar is able to get out of there and, and make his escape while Kit Fisto engages in a, in a pretty cool combat against Rift Hampson. And there's a, there's a part in that, in that sequence uh, where Kit lands a blow that sort of like unhinges Tamson's jaw, and you get like this kind of cool moment where Tamson's kind of like just shifts and clicks his jaw back into place. And I just thought it was a really neat uh, little moment for that character. Again, I don't know if that's a shark trait or not. I don't know if they can unhinge their jaws like the way uh, the way snakes can, the way some snakes can do. Uh, but again, I thought it was a neat little moment for that character, and uh, I liked it a lot. But yeah, it doesn't go well for Kit. It doesn't go well for the rest of our heroes. And Ahsoka has to be the one to sort of, again, be that mentor for, for young Prince Lee Char and, 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 and give some sage wisdom that she's earned uh, earned and learned over over her course course in the Clone Wars. Now you and I are the only ones left. I'm sorry, Lee Char. I know what I must do. I know my people need me. I just don't know how to win this war. Look, I know you're scared, but you can't let your fear control you. Aren't you scared? I used to be, all the time, until I realized that if you make decisions out of fear you're more likely to be wrong. I will unify Moncala again. I promise. We have to go. 
boom, there it is. That is the second episode in this Mon Cala trilogy. What did you all think of it? I, I, I enjoyed the episode. The The ending sort of wild and crazy, the the way the, the, the uh, Trident ships are used uh, to cause those kind of whirling vortexes to, to, to sort of cause the chaos and disarray that, that scatters both sides of the both forces and the droids are sort of impervious to it um, I thought that was interesting I would have liked a little bit more information on why the droids could sort of move in and out of those vortexes with with little ease, with very much ease uh, I, I assume it's just because like they're powered that way and they have they have enough power to sort of stay put and stay in position or, or make their way through those those uh, um, um, high-speed vortexes in the, in the, in the ocean Uh Otherwise, I think it's a really solid action-packed episode of the show, just like the first one was. Uh, the plot details are a little bit light, like they were in the first one. But, uh, again, uh, to me, this is a pretty solid episode. Like I, I, I'm thinking around eight buckets for this uh, this one. And the first one gets eight buckets, too. I know I forgot to give my, my sort of stamp on that one. I think I sort of give the first one a little bit more, like maybe eight and a half buckets, even. Uh, because I really like the way Tamsin was portrayed in the first one. And he's a little bit less threatening in this episode overall. Uh, so maybe I, I maybe I ding it a little bit on that front, um, but no, I, I like what we're doing with Prince Lichar. I like what we're seeing from the Moncala people, and eventually we'll see that the Quarren are realizing they've made a horrible mistake in in siding with the Confederacy on this as well. So solid, solid stuff, and and uh, again a solid entry point into the season. Okay, so before we get out of here uh, to, to end the episode, I did want to give a little uh, special kind of shout out. Um, and in recognition of, of something that, again, as I record this, this is happening. This just happened today. Uh, by the time you hear this, it, it may be a week or so later. Uh, I haven't quite decided on on our release schedule. I, I have a few uh, life things going on that may dictate a slower release schedule than than what I would normally like to do. But I want to make sure I have my bases covered to have at least one show a week uh, for for you guys to to have. I don't want to have to skip weeks or anything like that. So I'm not quite sure what 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 pace we're going to be on. But regardless of all that, I wanted to acknowledge the passing of, of Tom Veach. Uh, he was a, a, a writer. Um, in, in, in the context of Star Wars, uh, he was, for me, the, the first Star Wars writer that I read. Because I, re- I read his comic books before I read the Timothy Zahn novels. So his comic book, Through Dark Horse, uh, with, with the art by the amazing Cam Kennedy, uh, was Dark Empire. And this was... Uh, just something that just blew my mind away when I was a, a young, a young lad, and and I was seeing a new Star Wars comic on and uh, on the stands uh, with like these amazing Dave Dorman covers, uh, and it was like it was like Luke Skywalker, but he looked like he was in like a Darth Vader esque kind of suit, and uh, this whole thing was going on. I mean, there was it, it just captured the imagination so completely. And then you read the comic book, and you're reading about your characters, you know, at like five ish years after Return of the Jedi, and Princess Leia and Han Solo are married, and they're getting ready to have a kid. And Luke's trying to figure out the right path to be on for the Jedi. And you find out that the there's the 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 Emperor has returned, Emperor Palpatine, and a young clone body has come back. Gee, does that sound a little bit kind of familiar? Yeah, yeah. Tom started that. Tom did that first. Tom brought the Emperor back in 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 a, in a clone body before we even knew about the cloning cylinders, and, and and things like that, and and the the way the clones were created. In what became canon as as the prequels came about, Tom was was telling those stories, and he did it with a young Emperor Palpatine being reborn into a young body, uh, with all his force abilities, and you know doing lightsaber battle with Luke Skywalker, 
It's also the comic book that brought back Boba Fett when he when he tells Han Solo that the Sarlacc found him somewhat indigestible. Uh, I mean, so many great moments, uh, and it, and it sort of kicked off for me the 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 beginning of the star of the Star Wars expanded universe, uh, and and particularly it kicked off Dark Horse's epic run of of publishing Star Wars comic books for a really really long time. Uh, aside from the three Dark Empire books that there came to be, there was Dark Empire one and two and three. Um, there, I think one of Tom's most important contributions uh, to Star Wars comics was what he did a few years after the first Dark Empire had come out, uh, and that was Tom was like, "Hey, why instead of instead of telling stories forward, you know, following our heroes after Return of the Jedi and and having those adventures." Like, what if we, like, went back into the Star Wars galaxy, but thousands of years prior to the events of A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, which, again, were the only three movies we had at the time. Uh, so he began Star Wars Tales of the Jedi. And that series, again, captured the Jedi in such a fun and unique way. Uh, and if you read it now... Looking back on those books, I think if you read them now with everything that we know about the Jedi Order and, and sort of like that, what we've talked about here on the show, the, the sort of pragmatic, dogmatic philosophies of the Jedi, um, Tom was doing something very, very different based off of the minimum amount of information that he had from Obi-Wan and from Yoda in that original trilogy. And he sort of spun off this own his own ideology of what the Jedi were supposed to be all about in, in his mind. And there's a lot of similarities, but there's also a lot of contradictions. As, as is going to be the case. But I still think those Tales of the Jedi books really, really hold up well. And if you can find them, if you can track them down, I think they are well worth your time. And uh, the series spawned like an entire uh, mythology. You know, it, it grew into into Jedi versus Sith books and, and the Sith War and, and the, the the Freedom Nod uprising and, and, and uh, Ula Keldroma. I mean, like so many really memorable characters and so many memorable uh, events depicted in in the, in the pages of the Tales of the Jedi comic books, so I definitely ch- recommend those highly. I mean, and again, this this predates Bioware doing Tales of the Old Republic. This 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 predates all that stuff. And again, this guy was only working with the three movies that we had as kids that I had as a kid, uh, and he created a whole new mythology for the Jedi and for the Sith. And again, remember, there wasn't a lot about the Sith going on at the time either. All we knew was that Darth Vader was a Dark Lord of the Sith. That was really kind of like the only bit of information that we had about the Sith at the time. So he, he uh, Tom and his, his talented team of artists really did a lot of world building that was really fantastic and, again, just seared itself into my brain, captured my imagination in, in a way at a very pivotal time where, as a Star Wars fan, there wasn't a lot to look forward to. You know, we still didn't, you know, the, the, the special editions were still a few years away. The prequels were even longer away. Uh, so what Tom was doing at Dark Horse... And then ultimately, what what Timothy's on and, and the writers were doing with the novels, uh, just just captured my mind, captured my imagination, filled me with so much endless entertainment, even even the not so good ones. And I'm mostly referring to a couple of the books. I will not name names, uh, but the Star Wars comics were almost always a delight, and and Tom's in particular because he was weaving his own mythology and he was world building in a, in a really fun and profound way. And again, I don't know for sure if Marvel is allowing those books to be, be reprinted or republished anywhere, either even digitally. I, I'm not sure if they're how available they are. Uh, but if you find like an old trade paperback collection of Tales of the Jedi, of the Sith Wars, um, by all means, uh, uh, take a look at them, check them out. They are a lot of fun. Again, you're going to find some interesting things in there uh, that sort of contradict what we know about the Jedi now. But at the time, we're like, yeah, sure, why not? That sounds awesome. 
So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and take a... I don't have access to the original comics at the moment. I don't have them nearby, but I have some of the trades on a bookshelf, and I'll take some pictures of those and, and try to put, post those on the Instagram uh, in the next day or two to sort of uh, celebrate his passing. Uh, he was 80 years old when he passed away, so uh, it feels early. It feels like it's still fairly young, you know, with so many people living into their 90s and stuff nowadays, but uh, a, a good run nonetheless and a, and a very talented uh, writer who, uh, in, in, to, me, to me, means the world to me because he... He brought Star Wars back to me in a way that, at a time when I thought I all I had from Star Wars was going to be VHS tapes, so uh, I wanted to give a special um, in memoriam and a, and a rest in peace uh, to Tom Beach, a, a again a really talented talented writer who, um, if you if you get a chance to read about his a little bit of, of his um not not this is like a eulogy or a um, um, obituary, uh, but you can just read a little bit about his life. He lived quite a life, uh, so. Uh, I, I hope uh, I hope he I hope just I just hope he went peacefully I guess is all I'm really trying to say, and check out the man's work he did really great stuff for Star Wars. Uh, all right, that being said, uh, we are going to wrap things up and we are going to thank the official Mandovision maniacs, which you can become over at patreoncom forward slash Mandovision. You can join the maniacs and gain access to all the sweet bonus content. Thank you to our current patreons: the Aspenhill Chody, the Batman of Bayho, Jeff Nail, Jeff is co-host of the Ringing Ear, a great music podcast. So check them out. Thanks to Evil Circle, the evilest of all circles, the Squid Master General, Mr. Brian Broussard, the New Jersey Devil Mark Wegemer, our very own Joker and Harley Quinn, Brian and Krista of Pride Brewing Company here in San Diego, and the Beer Hop Burrito General, Jesus Beer Hops, as well as the Silent Assassin, he who should not be named, and Syndicate Ram, co-host of Come On, It's Still Good. Check out that podcast as well. Truly, truly appreciate all my friends and family and total strangers who are on this list that I love so dearly. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here and supporting the show. Uh, let's do it. Let's get out of here. We'll be back very, very soon with another Star Wars The Clone Wars Rewatch Monday. Maybe there'll be some Bantha tracks that there in there, some news drops that we need to talk about. Otherwise, I hope everyone uh, is staying awesome, staying cool. Uh, remember, be good. Be a good Star Wars fan. Support other Star Wars fans, uh, and don't uh, don't poop on them. Okay, don't 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 be a poopy Star Wars fan. We don't like them. And if you if you really want to get nuts, start unfollowing and, and, and blocking and muting the, the poopy Star Wars fans that are out there on Twitter and, and, and on the Instas and whatever like that. We, we need to cleanse ourselves of the negativity that exists out there in the fandom. And, and if we stop supporting these people, maybe they'll go away. Probably not, but at least we don't have to listen to them anymore. And that's the good news. All right? So everyone, take care. We'll talk soon. And remember, this podcast can only end one way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way.